The Weekly Dish podcast is presented by Common Ground Minnesota. Food and farming conversations from Minnesota women in agriculture. Learn more at commongroundminnesota.com or follow them on Instagram at commongroundminn. Hey everybody, it's Steph March for Common Ground Minnesota, and I love talking about women in agriculture. The women of Common Ground Minnesota are volunteers who are volu- you know, taking their time to chat with you about what it's like to live on a farm and grow food in Minnesota. Here's some really great news about this group. They have just launched a newsletter that you can basically sign up for at commongroundminnesota.com, and you get the latest you know, events, giveaways, delicious recipes, all sorts of great stories from the farm. And I got to tell you, it's just a really cool thing to get into your inbox every month. And it's it's kind of an, a way in. If you're wondering, like, I don't know what I'm going to ask when I go to Common Ground, Minnesota. Well, this is just an introduction and a way to get you guys to meet the farmers at Common Ground, Minnesota. The Common Ground Minnesota volunteers, remember, their goal is to be a resource for your food and farming questions. Don't forget, check them out on Instagram at Common Ground, M-I-N-N, CommonGroundMinnesota.com. What time is it? And somebody had called in and had a question that we said we would answer, which was she has a huge cucumber harvest and wants to know how to do quick refrigerator pickles. Do you have a special technique or anything that you like to do, Steph? Uh, No, I just basically I just cut them thin and then I, uh, you know, do the vinegar, boil the vinegar and the. Sugar, like a little bit of sugar, not I a lot, a cup just of a vinegar, little bit. Cup of water, quarter cup of sugar. Yeah, I don't even think I do that much sugar, but I like it. But it does because of, I'm so anti. I don't want sweet pickles, but it, you ha- you need the sugar to bring the tang out. Yeah, so it just activates that you know tanginess in the in the vinegar, and then I just yeah, and then you just pour it over and stick it in the fridge. That's it. Yeah, and you can throw in a hunk of garlic if you want, yeah. or if you have some fresh dill, you can throw that in. Red hot pepper flakes. And jalapenos. whatever vinegar you want. Cider vinegar. You can use mm-hmm. red vinegar, red wine vinegar. You can use, you know, plain distilled vinegar. It's really up to you. And then give them away because they only last in the refrigerator like six weeks. Or eat them. I got, yeah, like, here's the thing with quick ton. pickles. That's just like for eating that day or within the weekend. You know, just do a quick one. If you if you have a bumper crop and you're doing quick pickles, then just eat them. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah, don't like think about pickling and then having them for a long time if you're quick pickling. Yes. But you can take the quick pickle and then you can can it. <laughs> <laughs> and all you do is you boil a big thing of water and you make sure that you put all your pickles in there and you put the lid on. Yeah. And then you boil it for about 12 to 15 minutes. And then you take out your boiling jar and you set it on the counter and you let it sit there and you don't disturb it. You will hear the pop, which is the seal of the jar, but you still need to leave it undisturbed apparently for 24 hours so that everything settles. And now that quick pickle is canned. 
okay. <laughs> so if you have a lot, you can always do that. All Give right, time for top two and hour yes, two. It is. <laughs> Give him the old one two. And now the weekly dish presents top two, top two, the top two. Pick your best two in our two. All right, give me two with him, with him, with him. Okay, Steph, you want to start us off? Sure, sure, sure. I will tell you that uh, we both went to a thing this week that we. Met up with some friends who are collaborating on a gig, and it's a pretty good gig. It's the Meteor Bar with Dash Fire Bitters. They have launched a uh, collaboration uh, bottled cocktails, and they're delicious. I think very. they're very delicious. And what this is, is it's basically the recipe. The Meteor Bar team came together, formulated some recipes from their from some of their favorite drinks that they had been making. And then uh, Dash Fire, Lee Egbert, and his team, they kind of came together and they all worked it so that they could mass produce them as bottled cocktails. And so there are these big 750s of, and they're the labels that were designed by... Uh, a meteor bar bartender, so great and so pretty. And I had them at my little bookless book club last night, and we didn't actually drink them because we forgot to. But <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited because I was like, "You guys, I don't have to make drinks." But we actually drank so much wine, we never got to them. Right, but, right, right. But nonetheless, there's uh, one called uh, Secret Tiger. That's a vodka base. That's got a little bit of. It's kind of like a fruity. It's got a little spicy kick to the back with some pepper in it. Um, there's the Bifrost, which is uh, a gin base, and it's got a lot of berry to it, a little bit of plum. Um, it's kind of a nice little complex thing. And then what was the other one? Oh, the, the Cooler Club. The Cooler Club. And vodka that one, and raspberry. Yeah, vodka raspberry with a little bit of lemon to it. Little yuzu on the note on that one. I think we both thought that was really fun. Um, but here's the deal. Is I, I did make myself you know a cocktail with that when I came home, and I just poured it, and I added a little bit of LaCroix, lemon LaCroix to, I think, the Secret Tiger, and that just gave it a little lift, and I loved it. They're really delicious. Yeah. They're beautifully presented the bottles are lovely the labels look great can cocktail or canned cocktails and bottled uh spirits you know some of them are great some of them are like wah, wah. so when we tell you they're great like we know yeah we drink all this stuff i know <laughs> these are real great and it's so nice to have especially in the pandemic like to p- open a glass a rocks glass put a few ice cubes in there and pour yourself a drink that tastes like a drink that Rob Jones would make you at his bar. Right, right. It's just, there's a lot of complex flavors that you would not be able, you could mix it yourself, but like it was, it would take you a long time to get those flavors. Because you ingredients and yeah. things you probably wouldn't have on hand. They're elite ingredients in there. So that's really lovely about that. I really, so, and you can find them at, they should be appearing at liquor stores this weekend. Look in the smaller ones like Southdale, you know, South Lindale, uh, Certix, you know, those kind of Trans places. 44. Yep. Look there first. Cedar Lake will probably have them, Cedar I would Lake think. Cedar yeah. Um, okay, I have a idea for you, okay. and it is new, and these people reached out to me, and I was like, this is a good idea. It's called the Baking It Real Kit, and this is a Minnesota maker, and they have a holiday cookie baking kit collection. So it's four easy-to-bake cookie kits in one box. So, so you four get, cookies in one box. That's correct. Saying. Okay. So you get the ingredients that are measured, you get the recipes, You will be making a chocolate crinkle, a peanut butter blossom, a sprinkle cookie, and a ginger molasses cookie. Great to do with kids. It's everything is all ready for you. It's all pre-measured. There's little holiday table tents if you want to make these and put them out for a party. There's gift tags if you want to share with friends. If you want to gift it to someone else, you can. 
I just think this is real cute and would be a fun way to do your cookie exchange or just do something fun with kids, like a Girl Scout troop or whatever. And it is called bakingitrealkits.com. Okay. Um, okay, my second one I'm going to tell you is a sort of a random. <laughs> but I have to tell you, I went to um, a place in Dinkytown, right on the campus, and it's called Fly Chicks. And it's a fried chicken shop. And uh, Where it, in Dinkytown? It's right, it used to be the soda roll in Dinkytown. It's across, it's right in, um, I don't know if it's... It, Called it's not Stadium Village. That's not where that is. That I don't. I get really other restaurants. It's by. Um, it's right next to the Kimchi Tofu House. Right next door. Do you know the cute little Kimchi Tofu House? <laughs> I like worked in Dinky Town, so I'm like uh, no, because there's so many new places this and there's Kimchi's so many been new there buildings. Forever. It's that little teeny tiny space it's near that, Camdy, uh, Vietnamese. I don't know. There's uh, there is a there is an, a, a Chinese restaurant across the street that's been there forever. Shuang her. It's not Shuang her. It's that's too far over. This is over by um, this is by the hotel and by, you know, like, Got it. you know, down in that area. Got it. You know, the old Sally's like in that area. Got it. Yep. Right. Like real West Bank. <clears throat> yeah. By Bona. Yeah. By and by the hospitals. Got it. And stuff. OK, so they are. So anyway, Fly Chicks is uh, is Aaron Switz, who owns, you know, who owned agriculture and soda roll and all those guys. So he's trying this, uh, huh. this fried chicken concept. And it's really good. The chef, he has a guy, he partnered up with a guy from Tampa who's just like the South and is just like, I got a fried chicken thing and you should, we should do this together. And so they did. And I got to tell you, like of all like the raising canes and everything else and like chicken tendery things are kind of a bummer to me, you know, but it was the fried chicken and it's just tenders. You know, it's like you either get tenders or you get a sandwich kind of situation. God, I love a good tender. It was the crispiest, best fried chicken sandwich that I've had in a long Yum. time. And I've been eating them. And I'm just telling you, some of my favorites have been letting me down. And this one has been, this one was really crispy, really perfect and awesome. Can I add one to your list? Mm. And pl- open your mind here. Okay. Go to the quick trip. Um, I'm just, just do it. No, for, no, no. You don't understand. Quick trip is like a hallowed ground. Like quick trip can do no wrong. I'm, I'm really, oh yeah. Cause they're chicken tenders with like, these little potato are, wedges are, that are already like hot and in the, on yep, the hotline on the hotline. Yeah. It's, they're so good. We have a family lore about like getting dinner at Quick Trip, which really? is, just, oh yeah, because like you said, when we would go to Wisconsin or we go to Kansas City or we to go visit oh, I kids in college. Make fun of me. No, Quick Trip can do no wrong. We yeah. have like a family, like Quick Trip is amazing. Their fried chicken tenders with a few potato wedges is a really yeah. great lunch if I mean, you are passing by. It's like better than McDonald's. It's even better well, than my favorite. This Taco one Bell. would be like leagues above that. I mean, like this is literally hand done and okay. like, you know what I mean? But I think that it's interesting is they're trying to, you know, they opened last September and there was nobody on campus. Sure. And so it was sort of like they said they're already looking around and it's weird because there's so many more people. Yeah, there the hospital people were yeah. in town. But OK, I'm going to tell you that this is a top two and it is the apple cider donuts that are back at the Golden Fig. Oh, a dark golden fig? Yeah. They have beautiful, delicious apple cider donuts. So you should check those out. We're going to go ahead and take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to an author that wrote a book called School Lunch, Unpacking Our Shared Stories. It's Lisa Sha- Lucy Schaefer when we come back.
Are you thinking of buying a house this year but have been deterred by this crazy market? This is Stephanie Hansen from The Weekly Dish, and not only did I buy a house with Carrie and Sue from Lake Syria Realty, but Ellie is too. Ellie's a first-time homebuyer who was passively looking for a condo when she spotted a cute little bungalow in West St. Paul on Facebook. I told her to call Carrie and Sue with Lakes Area Realty, and Ellie was impressed with how easy Carrie made the process. She looked at the home twice in one day and had an offer in the hands of the seller by the end of that night. Carrie and Sue will work with you to help you find the perfect house. They know all the tricks of the trade so that you can choose the home without necessarily paying the highest price or overpaying. With mortgage rates being at historic lows, people are qualifying for higher-priced homes but with lower payments. Ellie's a first-time home buyer, and the mortgage lender found a first-time buyer program that is able to keep her monthly payment about the same as a one-bedroom apartment, but instead, she's building equity in her first home. If you're thinking about buying or selling, call Carrie and Sue at Lake Area Realty to get started. That's Carrie and Sue at CarrieAndSue.com from Lake Area Realty. We are here talking on Weekly Dish about school lunch with author Lucy Schaefer. Hi, Lucy. Are you there? Oh, hello, yes. Hi, how you doing, Lucy? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm great. Welcome to the program. You oh, have thank written. You. Thanks for having me. Yes, you wrote a book about school lunch that is like short stories about yes. people's school lunch experience. And because school just started, I wanted to have you on. I have to tell you, we've talked about school lunch quite a bit on this show. I loved this book. It was so sweet. Oh, thank you so much. I had a lot of fun working on it. Yeah, what made you decide to write it? Uh, you know, I have a couple kids, and it was sort of, it was about five years ago, about to be back to school season, and I was dreading it because I, I do find packing lunch a chore. Um, and I just started daydreaming about, like, what I had as a kid and what people in different countries have and what did they have. You know, I have a 93-year-old family friend, and I started wondering what did she have when she yeah, was a yeah. kid. And that was sort of what started it. Okay, so you have shot 53 books in terms of photograph them, but this is your first book you've written. Was it hard? Uh, It was a lot more work. I mean, when I do a cookbook, I come in at the very end. The manuscript's already there. The recipe's already tested. They've already decided what we're going to shoot. And it's it's an intense two weeks, but it's two weeks and then I'm done. And I hand it in and that's it. So being involved at every stage along the way was a much bigger project, obviously. I love that this was kind of a world book. So you have stories from Australia, Asia, Europe, the Caribbean, and just like how those stories differ from what would be the Minnesota experience or the Northeast experience. And you also interviewed a lot of people from the Midwest. Are you from the Midwest? No, I'm from upstate New York originally, um, but I was trying to just cast as wide of a net as possible. Um, And even, you know, when I came to Minnesota, even some of the stories... I got there was, you know, from a Somali refugee or for, from people who, you know, everybody in my book is an American who lives in the United States now, but, you know, we're a country that comes from a lot of different places, and I wanted to kind of show that and get all these different roots of people. And well done, because the school Thank lunch you. experience, whether you're an immigrant or whether you were born and raised here, that experience is pretty ubiquitous for mm-hmm. everybody. Yeah, yeah, it's like both universal and so unique and individual, so that's what I found really fun about it. Our friend Natalie Webster, uh, who used to have a radio show on this station, is in the book, and she talks about the Hawaiian spam masubi. Love the masubi. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I love that she, you know, ended up moving to Minnesota, which is the birthplace of spam, where everybody pretty much turns their noses up at it a little bit, unlike in her 
hometown in Hawaii where it was just such a staple. So I thought that was kind of ironic. It's super story. ironic. Yeah, where spam was <laughs> revered and how she like was trying to explain to her kids, you know, like the difference of how people treat yeah. spam here. Yeah. Like it's this mystery meat versus there where it's like a delicacy. Right. Right. Or a staple. Like, you know, you can get it at the Seven Eleven. There was also a guy here that I was really fascinated by that collects lunch boxes. His name's Steve Engler. He's from Hopkins. And you used a lot of his collected lunch boxes in the photo for the books. He, yes, I mean, I was del- oh, go ahead. I was just going to say it's so cool. Yeah, I was delighted to be put in touch with him because, like you say, the, the image of his lunchbox collection became the end papers of the book because it's just such a cool texture and such a an amazing um, kind of, it looks like wallpaper, just all of these lunch boxes And I didn't have to set up that shot. He already had these shelves that he had built that he had in his, um, you know, finished basement where they were all mounted and displayed. So it was like I couldn't believe I'd stumbled across one. Of, I think he's like the second or third largest collection of lunch boxes in the nation. So that was a lucky find, and I was really excited to meet him. Yes, and he was super interesting. And another really sweet story that resonated with me was this guy, and his name is Linnell Jinx, and it's Brown mm-hmm. Bag, Brown Dad. Mm-hmm. And he's from yeah. California. Talk, Tell us about his story. Yeah, he's he's an amazing character. He basically um, did a lot of artwork and drawing, but then you know, as his career progressed, he became more of a creative director, so he wasn't doing the hands-on art anymore. So it was sort of, you know, when his kids started going to school as a side project, he started doodling on their lunch bags, but then these doodles became like a creative outlet for him, and they're way more than doodles now. They're like super realistic marker illustrations of pop culture, and he has a daughter and a son, and he does one for each of them. And he said for the first year and a half, he was doing it literally every day, and he was up until like 1 in the morning working on these oh my gosh. bags. And then he finally asked the kids, like, kids, would you mind if I did these like once a week instead, and it could be like for Monday? And they're like, yeah, 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 just don't stop doing them, Dad. Right. So, so he now does them once a week, and they're just amazing. And and one of them, I think, even he did the Obamas um, port, you know, the the national portraits that are in the portrait gallery. He did a version of that for the lunch bags, and I think they ended up finding their way into Barack Obama's hands. And so that was kind of cool. Wow. Yeah, and apparently it got to Obama, and he gave his dad a shout out on Instagram. Oh, exactly. So wow. the fifth grader thought that was pretty cool That's pretty that his cool. dad's yeah. lunch bag. But there's a lot of stories in there, and I think that this is sort of, you know, the the idea of weaving, you know, the cultural influences of food through, you know, a common shared thing of lunch, I think was so interesting to me about, you know, how it can be something that is, you know, something that people brought, and it was either they were worried about what they would be judged as if they brought their food versus people who were like, we didn't really have lunch because, you know, we didn't really have a lot to, there was just a lot of violence and, and it was stressful yeah and so I yeah think- exactly it ranges so much and it's so um because it's just a daily thing it also it often becomes sort of a forgotten thing yeah but i feel like some of those daily fabric of our lives type things are the real true culture and true and what um, varies from place to place if you study something like that it really reveals a lot about that um that place and that time. And I also really focused on specifically elementary school lunch. Yes. By the time you're in high school, you have a little bit of control, but when you're a little kid, you have no control. You have no control. Whatever is packed for you, whatever's at the school, whatever your family can afford or not afford. 
So I really kind of focused on that. That's a, that time. was a and really smart move. Yeah. Yeah. It's also what people remember it so well. They I do. was really surprised. I'd interview like an 80 year old woman and she'd remember like the brand of snack she had or oh, yeah. the kind of bag her mom used, you know? So for some reason, it kind of like really is a formative memory for a lot of people. Jacques Pepin's story about begging to get a little bit of lard on his bread. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and he had was, to knock it. You know, it was wartime. Yep. He had, like, this hard bread that he had to knock against the table to get the bugs out, you know. Oh, my God. And I was surprised by that story. I, I interviewed Jacques Pepin. I was all excited that he said yes to the interview. And I was expecting some fancy French delicious thing that was, like, better than an American lunch would be. And I was, so I was, you know, really um, surprised by by the rawness of his story yeah. and the circumstance. So, yeah, it's the author, Lucy Schaefer. The book is School Lunch, Unpacking Our Shared Stories. George Foreman's Blowing Up the Brown Paper Bag so it looked like he had food in there was really touching, too. Heartbreaking. Yeah, Yeah, right. Absolutely. And I love the stories about the Big Apple Circus family that she ate on the circus commissary line every day. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So many different ways to grow up, right? Yeah, Lucy, you did a great job capturing this uh, little slice of life. Mm-hmm. It felt, when I read it, it was lovely. I liked it. And the looking at the lunch boxes and the lunch bags are awesome. Thanks so Thank much you. for being a guest. It's a great yes, book. You guys sure. should get it. Thanks for having me. Thank you. We're going to take a break. You're listening to The Weekly Dish. We'll be right back. Hello, Weekly Dishers. Spring is sprung, and that means the best-tasting wild-caught seafood is available from Sitka Salmon. You may have heard us talk about Sitka Salmon before on the show, and that's because we are huge fans. Sitka Salmon standards for quality are unrivaled in the industry because, you see, Sitka Salmon is a community-supported fishery. The fish they process for you to eat are caught by a collective of small boat fishermen, fisherwomen, and families. Some of these families have been fishing for multiple generations. And knowing the boat your fish comes from is not typical of most fish you buy. When you buy a Sitka salmon share, you're getting the freshest quality fish you can, and you can trace the fish back to its source. With your share, you're part of the Sitka family, and you get monthly fish shipments of salmon, lingcod, crab, tuna, halibut, and you get the freshest fish while it's in season. They even have recipes, but I've been steaming my cod in my Instant Pot. The fish is so delicious, you don't even need to do much to serve it other than cook it and eat it. So Weekly Dishers, here is how you get your $25 discount for the first month of a premium Sitka salmon share. Type SitkaSalmonShares.com backslash Weekly Dish and you save $25. So save $25 on your box. Again, type Sitka, S-I-T-K-A, SalmonShares.com backslash Weekly Dish and you save $25. Hey everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. Thanks for joining us today. Um, I don't know if we've given the weather report, but I will tell you that I think it's kind of, I'm not happy with the return of the heat. I will just tell you that. Oh, I'm right. I, I'm like enjoying the last blast. Yeah. I, and there is a little tinge like of the chill in the air and that's important. And the reason I'm not is because I, so last night, you know, I had the bookless book club over and so I did a whole bunch of like, you know, snacky little things to eat, but I had to turn the oven on and I was like, oh, it's like, no, it's hot in here. <laughs> So annoying. We're getting in the van for two weeks. So I'm like, is that going to be like driving in 90 degree heat the whole time? Oh, God. Right. Oh, I'm a little worried about it. It'll but be all right. It's going to be fine. And actually, everything is kind of chilling out again. And it's just a little it's a moment. But let's be clear that the reason, of course, is just because I want to cook. I want to cook more and I want to be inspired to cook. And when it's hot, I'm just not. I know we've talked about that a lot. So the thing is, is that tomatoes? So, should we talk about roasting tomatoes? Just kidding. Let's just talk about canning and roasting tomatoes. <laughs> let's just have an entire canning and roasting tomatoes show. And maybe somebody will listen into that one. It won't be me, Pickles. but other people might want to listen to it. Um, 
But what I do want to talk about is the cookbooks that yes, are coming. Because, let's. oh my God, there's a lot of good ones coming this fall, mm-hmm. you guys. And I think it's because like we were all stuck at home and like all the creative geniuses were like, I'm going to do a book. Yeah. Let's do it. And so we've got a lot of great things coming. So let's just talk about a few of the things um, that we're excited about. One of the things that I am excited about is this uh, collaboration book called Life is What You Bake It. Have you heard about this one? Uh, no. Okay, so this is Valerie Lomas. And uh, it's like, basically, life is what you bake it. Recipes, stories, and inspiration to bake your way to the top. It's funny that she I recognized her from the Great American yes, Baking Show. right? And I haven't read that at all. I mean, I haven't like watched that at all. Yeah. But I was looking through some of these and, you know, just kind of interesting stories of personal victories, both in and out of the kitchen, um, tri- you know, tributes to steadfast vision and excellent cooking of um, her family, you know, the women in her family. I don't know. It just it seemed like there was a lot of memories, you know, that were sort of like uh, the inspiration piece is great, and especially with baking. You know, when people are looking to kind of baking seems to have become that perfection place where people are trying to make the perfect looking thing. Mm-hmm. I think in baking, it tends to be more that way than it is in just cooking. And so I was sort of interested by, um, you know, just some of the things in here. It looked really good. It's 20. It's going to be 22 bucks. I like this one. Uh, that sounds so good. A hundred real life recipes for every day of the week by Carla Lolly music. Oh, yeah. Carla Lolly music. How do you know her? She's, oh, she's, she's Bon Appetit. Bon Appetit. Yeah. yeah. It yeah. looks really just approachable, doable, delicious. Yes. I did. I thought that, too. Um, there is uh, well, Odalungi has a new one coming. The Test Kitchen. And I hate to dog on him, but I have four of his books. So I feel like them. I don't need them. Oh, do you? OK, I, I th- love them. I thought maybe you didn't love them, but no, that's no I do like them and I like cooking out of them. But I feel like they're kind of the same. So okay. I'm ready to like four is probably enough. Yeah, I think you're right. That's like when you get to that place of, you know. I bought the cookbook you told me to buy, and I'm taking it on the van trip. Oh, is the it six, six ingredients? Seasons? Yes. Yeah, six seasons. Great. Yep. I'm excited for you to to try that one. Yeah. Um, there's a Dory Greenspan book coming out, which I think I will buy because I love Dory Greenspan. I do too. Baking with Dory. Yeah. I'm but like, I do have a bunch of... I already I know. Have see? So that's... I'm like, oh, I love her, but I probably don't need another one. Okay. There's a cookie Bible from Rose Levy Birnbaum, which... She has a cake Bible. She's the cake Bible, but there's the cookie Bible. Do you feel like you need a cookie book? No, I don't either. But I like the idea of it for the people that do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so, do you know that this? So we were talking about uh, uh, grain. I mean, like that guy, a grain for every season. I'm kind of excited about that. Which that is looks the good. same one as the six seasons, isn't it? Is he the same author? Yeah, I think oh, is. okay. That's probably why I liked it. It yeah. appeals to me. You know, because I feel like we talk about you're obsessed with kanji. Yeah, Pharaoh millet like just the different grains yeah. and yeah. the different things you can do with them yeah i also want to do a pasta i want i'm a, there's a pasta book coming i'm trying to find it right now when was the last time you cooked malaysian sambal shiuk the malaysian cookbook i don't and i would like to yeah that you know looks what i mean good. yeah no yeah so joshua mcfadden by the way is the one who wrote six seasons and he's got this grains for every season okay. and oh. so this is like all those like millet quinoa you know, farro, millet, all which things. is a seed. Yeah, like well, I mean, so, brown rice, barley, all of yeah. that. I I think I might get that one for sure. Do um, it, and then we'll exchange. Okay, but there's that pasta book. I'm trying to find it, but I want to because I am following up. There's a pasta uh, channel. Um, the one Italian American. No, and this is I can't find this book now, but it's um, 
It is. Uh, it's. It's. Um, but like making your own pastas is the thing that I'm going to do this winter again more. Oh, like, I can't wait. Did all of like this. I mastered the spinach, my basic pasta recipe, and then the spinach pasta for lasagna and that kind of stuff. But that's what I want to do is make more. I want to learn how to do more shapes. I love stuff. looking at your Instagram when you do that. I, it's fun. I don't want to do it, but I want you to do it exactly. so I can look at it. Exactly. And I'm here for that. Um, what do you think about this one? Cal, Peter Nell's burnt toast and other disasters. I'm interested in that. He talks about like what happens when you have a fail in the kitchen. Yeah. It was funny because you talked about this a couple weeks ago yeah. and I was making, I made a um, smoked salmon trouts or smoked trout spread. Yeah. And then I had this bread that I griddled for like to serve with it. Yep. But I burned half of it on one side. So I did the scrapey scrape to yep. get the burn parts off. Totally. And I had all the scrapes. And I was like, oh, see, this is the guy was like, what you can do with the burnt bread scrapes. Right. Yeah, that's interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah, and I thought about you. Okay. Um, how about this one? The New Native Kitchen, celebrating modern recipes of the American Indian. And I was thinking about this because I, of course, this isn't by Sean Sherman, which we already <laughs> have a Sean Sherman book, which we love, um, The Sous Chef. But this is an, a new sort of, I, I mean, it's sort of... Uh, it's a, it's a member of the Navajo Nation. The author is Freddie Bitso, I think, and um, and it's a it, and so it's a little bit it's a little bit different indigenous cooking. And I thought that might be kind of interesting to really dig into since we're kind of enamored with the indigenous cooking that's happening in town. Mm-hmm. I would do that. Um, another cookbook that I think looks good is called Arty Parties. Party parties. And it's a party cookbook, like a whole entertaining cookbook. Yeah. And it is by Julia. I can't read the name. Sherman. Okay. It Do just you, looks fun. Are there any restaurant cookbooks that you're super excited about? Like, are any? No. No, right? No. And I was surprised. <sighs> I was looking and I was like, oh, yeah. Nope. None of these are really doing it for um, me. There is. A, so there's. The Soup Club, by the way. I don't know if you <gasps> see this one. 80 cozy recipes for creative plant-based soups and stews to share from Carolyn Wright. And it's Instant Pot friendly, it says on the front of the cover, okay. which I think is a brilliant marketing technique. Definitely put that on your book. But this is, I mean, I don't know. This could be one of those things where, you know, I and, and again, she's this is vegan. This is going to be plant-based. But th- for me, I'm always like, well, I can figure out how to add meat to this if I need to. You know what I mean? <laughs> How about worry. Moby having a cookbook called The Little Pine Cookbook? Did you know he was the original owner of a L.A. vegan restaurant? No. And it's called Little Pine, and he now has a cookbook out with 125 recipes from the menu. Okay. Apparently, he has since sold the restaurants, but or the restaurant, but this is sort of a holdover with this book. Do you ever, ever, ever buy... I know the answer is no, but like... <laughs> Like books like Friends, the official Central Perk cookbook. No. Or like Star Wars, a Life Day cookbook. No. That actually I would buy because it would be funny because if you've ever seen the Life Day celebration special, on that was just sort of the most worst thing ever. But like the unofficial Bridgerton cookbook. How do those get made? I don't know. And I would like those? to retract a statement I made. Yes. About the Autolenghi cookbook. Yeah. Because I'm seeing it. Autolenghi's Test Kitchen. Let me read it to you. Okay. Shelf love recipes to unlock the secrets of your pantry, fridge, and freezer. Think I'm going to buy that? 100% I'm going to buy that. Yes, you are. Boom. Boom. Yeah, I'm buying it. Okay, yeah, that does look good. You're right. You're right. Also, Food 52, Staples Plus 5. These people are smart because they're taking how we came out of the pandemic 
with pantries full of beans. Where's that one? I didn't even see that. It one. is Good Food with Minimal Ingredients and Maximum Flavor by Emma La Peruque. Oh. And it's 100 simple recipes to make the most of your pantry. Okay. So I might get that one too. Yeah. No, there's a lot of good stuff and there's a lot of, um, I, I, I think the baking, I need to sort of chill down on the baking. You know what I mean? Because I feel like I'm, I've, I almost have too many, you know? I can tell you a book I'm not going to buy. And I just have to show you the cover and then I'm going to read it to you. Okay. Okay. It's this hot woman in her <laughs> black leather pants <laughs> and she looks like she hasn't eaten in a long time. Oh, and she's probably a great person. So yeah. I don't mean to disparage her, but it's a book by Poppy O'Toole. This is a TikTok cookbook. Oh, she's really? a London chef who turned her social media platform into sharing recipes, tips and tricks. She's also a famous, a huge fan of potatoes. So check it out. I just, this yeah. one, her in her hot outfit, in her like eating noodles with her pursed lips really does not appeal to me. So there's a lot of, there's that thing of like, um, I just on an Instagram thing of like Instagram people getting food or, you know, or TikTokers getting books. It's a strange. Which I guess I did. Yeah. So I'm one of them. You're one of them is what I was going to say. <laughs> but the idea of it being like, you know, it's a different thing when you don't have any sort of context or background or whatever and then all of a sudden why would it's weird to think like they're sending to getting a book when they're they've they're kind of rejecting that whole path to begin with right by doing tiktok and doing all these other things and then it's funny to me just to like how a book is sort of ascending yeah it's like a thing to get a book and it's like that's not her audience they don't do they even buy books like do tiktokers want cookbooks is my question I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. These are the questions of our lives. I okay. don't know. So there you go. A little quick fall uh, preview. We'll put a couple of the links up so you guys can kind of plumb the uh, the lists and see what you're excited for. And uh, hopefully maybe we can do some reviews this fall. Yeah, for sure. Know, and do some looking into some of the things that we're excited about. All right, you guys, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with the close of the show. Okay. Well, we have had a good show so far. Uh, a couple of emails have come in. You ready to just Do comment it. on that? So Do it. Uh, someone wants to know if you've investigated your new area. The strip mall next to the Willow Creek Theater has the tea house, a Mexican place, a Russian place, and a Russian grocery store. Yes. So she's never been to the Russian restaurant, but she wants to try it. Oh, yeah. No, it's great. No, it's super great. In fact, that is the original tea house. Let's be clear that that is the oh, original tea house. That's the tea house yeah. chinese tea house yeah that's that's where they were had like a special szechuan menu if you knew how to ask for it oh the mapo boy. tofu there is outstanding i need to check that out yeah. near the willow creek so it's close to us imagine yeah it's the imagine willow Got creek it. which they have food there now and but you know i yeah. say they had they had a quesadilla that i did get at imagine that was okay but i usually we used to go to we used to go to tea house and get like fried rice and then stick it in our bag and smuggle it in oh willow i think creek. i remember that yeah we're a big food uh, Okay. Hi. Another question. Can you add protein powder to instant pot yogurt? Do you think it will change the texture or taste good? At the end, I add honey and an extract. I would not add protein powder to your yogurt in the instant pot. Just add it afterwards. Yeah. Boom. Done. Answered that one. Uh, let's see what else. I think, okay, I think I got them all. Did you hear um, that Lori wants us the next time we are at Quick Trip to try the cinnamon rolls? Okay, so. I'm all about Quick Trip cinnamon rolls. Oh, and we have a call on the line from Daniel. We'll okay. go ahead and take it. Yeah. Hi, Daniel, how you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I have a question. Uh, in the most recent uh, 
Cook's Country Magazine. Yeah. They had a great article about a restaurant in New Orleans run by a Vietnamese couple. It's a mashup of um, Vietnamese Asian food and traditional New Orleans um, Cajun-type food. Sure. It sounded really good. Yes. And I'm wondering, um, is there anything like that that would be um, an Asian-slash-Cajun food? I will tell you that there are actually quite a few um, places around that are doing sort of a Viet um, Cajun seafood boil, you know, kind of an oh, idea. Um, cool. And there's because that was a, the, in, in there's a big tradition on there because they had so many Vietnamese immigrants that sometimes, you know, having those spices and stuff in the in the seafood boils actually grand right. catch. If you go to the place in St. Paul, which is Same Wadi's place. But um, they do a seafood boil, and they have a specific version of it that you can pick that has this really gorgeously uh, aromatic Asian spice blend in it. That's lovely. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, thanks very much. That yeah, I had that good. actually at Grand Catch, and it was awesome. Yeah, and there's a couple thanks, other Daniel. places, just to be clear. There's a couple other, like if you just do Vietnamese seafood crawfish, you can find those places. Yum. I'm trying to find them for you right now, but anyway. Right now, but yeah. Yum, yum, yum. Um, someone else was chastising me for, and maybe rightly so, that when we say hornitos, I pronounce the H, that it's just supposed to be ornitos, ornitos. which I hear you, but I also am trying to pronounce it in a way that I think most people who would go into a liquor store would see it and understand it. Yeah. So sometimes we make compromises just for the sake of trying to give our sponsor the best opportunity to be seen and purchased. I just, I want to, I want to. I did hear you. I do want to just make sure that I get this out. King Cajun Boiling Seafood Yum. in St. Paul or Cajun Boiling in Minneapolis. Those are the ones you want to get because they have the Vietnamese and the Cajun flavors too. Gosh, that sounds good, doesn't it, right yeah. now? Yeah, Viet Cajun and noodles in Woodbury. There's a lot. There's a lot. I love it. Yeah. So, you're like the smartest person we know when it comes to those kind of things. You just rattled off like four places. Well, I Googled it. I know, but you knew that. enough to know that they exist and where Crazy they are. Cajun. And... There's a couple opening. There's one opening in St. Paul that I wanted to find, but I can't find the name of it. I'd like an article about that, please. I wrote it. It's uh, it's in, in 2018. I wrote about Grand Catch and I wrote about how the Vietnamese. Okay, I'm going to look because that Because it was up. part of Ugly Delicious when David Chang yeah. did that thing. And it was like understanding. And it's it actually ties back to that conversation we were having about assimilation food and about how you know like people come to an area and then they have to they bring their traditions from the past but they have also the traditions there and they blend it all together and i love it and where do you get the ingredients like some of this stuff just isn't super easy i'm excited to like bust out the slow cooker get the instant pot going i've got two weeks of camping food ahead of me and there's no pressure because i don't have to like cook book camping food no so i'm just like taking a break and then i've got the final push yeah which, oh boy, I'm yeah. sorry for you having to be with me for oh. the next three months. Okay. <laughs> now you know what to look forward to. Yeah, it'll be, uh, I, you know what I mean, though? Everybody's like, I, hopefully we're getting into a space where we're going <clears> to <throat> be doing apple orchards. <coughs> Excuse me, we're going to be doing. I just talked to Gretchen at Sweetland Orchard to re-up. We did, uh, did a podcast call for catching up. Yeah. Um, the October, the maker's dinner that we have at the Lex has sold out. So we're doing another one in October. Oh, great. And Sweetland Orchard is going to be featured. Great. And 
she's so interesting and amazing. I know. Yeah. Just, no, she's great. I mean, if you watch the Zoe episode, half of it is like me, like wanting just to have Gretchen tell us about apples. Yeah. She has 50 different varieties yeah. and 5,000 trees and just. It's a great time down there. Yeah. Super great. Time and she's there. doing a lot with the ice, um, ice cider. Yep. The Borealis is sort of like an iced wine, but not with grapes, but with apples. Mm-hmm. Um, really tasty stuff. Yeah. Really tasty. Um, and then, yeah, we have that coming up. We have also, by the way, we will get hopefully the uh, the um, information set for the cookbook swap, which we're going to plan yep. to do um, in the end of October. We just don't have all the details set yet. We're but just, keep saving your cookbooks. Yeah, and if you find them. cookbooks in the neighborhood in the free, grab them because yeah. we're going to need some books. Yeah. And I did have a couple of people tell me they'd grab some things and they were like, should I hold them? I'm like, yeah, just yes, hold them. We're coming. Them. It's in October. Yeah. And just, yeah, start looking through and start thinking about things that maybe you want to make room for. Right. Like yeah. we're going to do it at Malcolm Yards. Yes. Which will be fun. Yeah. Yeah. We just don't know exactly times and dates yet. Or we know. Well, we will get it set, and then we will put all the information out at once so that we're clear on that. So you're, what are you doing today, the rest of your day, or just... I'm going to Blue Mound National, or Blue Mound Park in... Oh, you're driving today? Yeah, we leave oh, today. Oh, you leave the today. packed. Everything's ready to go. Okay. Um, yeah, we're going to be leaving today. We'll be cooking something out on a campfire this evening. Okay. Yeah. All right. One last camp, camping trip before my husband uh, has a surgery, and just kind of getting away, clearing the decks. Um, I, uh, for my cocktail party thing last night, I came up with a little thing that I realized, like, I just really wanted to, um, have them all the time now, which is I made crepes, little baby mini crepes. And then I put a miso mayonnaise on top of it, just like a little smoosh, which is just dashi miso that I buy at the grocery store. And then it lives in my fridge. Take a big spoonful, mix it with mayonnaise and a little bit of soy sauce. And then I put a little dollop and then I put rare roast beef on top of it with microgreens, shallots and salt. That's it. But it basically turns into like a meat pancake, which is now I'm like thinking... That's what I'm going to go eat when I get home. Like the like the leftover mini crepes. I'm just going to make myself a bunch of mini crepes. You know what my husband does? Hmm. He was doing this all summer. He makes like Krusty's pancake mix, but he makes it with an egg. Oh. And it has like a crepier texture. Oh, really? So the pancake is eggy and yeah. more like a crepe. Yeah. It's interesting. He, I don't love... Krusty's is a, has a little bit too sweet for me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because the way that I make... Crepes is just basically, if I'm doing them, you know, small amounts, it's three eggs, half a cup of milk, half a cup of flour. Do you let your batter sit, though, overnight? No, I never do. Okay, because in Montreal, like, they have the whole thing about how long you let the batter sit. For sure. And that would be a way to do that, for sure. And what I like about it is you can literally just toss it into, like, a a to-go container and shake it and be done. And let it stick it in your fridge and then just wait. Like, that's a great idea. Yum. (laughs) All right. I just never do. Lots of good ideas for you today. Yeah. We'll see you. uh, Yeah, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Yeah. Okay. Ciao, ciao, everybody.